Good morning, everybody. Welcome to our first service in March. Wow, the year is running away. And uh, thank you for coming. And uh, I hope we're going to have a, a really blessed time this morning. I was having my, my prayer time this morning. Uh, I call it my prayer time. God calls it my worry time. And I was praying about the service. And uh, I had this picture. And I had a picture of an, of an angel sitting on the roof of the church. Not on the roof. He was sitting on top of the, you know, the bit that goes over the, the door in. And I thought, oh, okay then. Well, that's very encouraging. So I was walking to church. I only live sort of around there. So I was walking along there. And uh, I was walking along there. I thought, well, I will wave to the angel as I come in just to show I know he's there. And God said to me, Ask the angel what his name is. I thought, all right. So I got home and said, and said to the angel, what's your name? And he said, my name is Gateway of Blessing. So can I ask you please to turn the people around you and say welcome to Gateway of Blessing. Welcome. <laughs> I love to say it's because we've got a fantastic service for you. But the reason it's the Gateway of Blessing is that Jesus is here to meet his people and do wonderful things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he died upon the cross so that we are saved, renewed, equipped, appointed, and anointed. Help us, Lord, to live in your victory in our lives and in the world. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Good, you can't hear me, all right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read a, a storybook. This is called Miriam, the Baby and the Secret Basket Boat. And it's by Bob Hartman, who we saw at Spring Harvest a few years ago. He's written a whole series of these books. So what I'd really like is some help from the children, young people, or anyone else who feels like coming up here. That's great. More than the more, the more helpful. Right, you could gonna sit down around here and I'm gonna sit down on my little cushion. I'm gonna need some help from all of you, okay? And oh, the adults as well, but mainly the children. So as I read through this book, I'm gonna say particular words. So I'm gonna say whenever I say baby, can you all go ah? Should we try that? Baby, ah. And you adults, are you doing it? Baby, ah. Brilliant. Whenever I say Pharaoh, I want you to go, boo. All right. Pharaoh, boo. And whenever I say Moses, I want you to say, hooray. Okay, so Moses, if I say baby Moses oh. and that's it oh, and hooray great oh, I don't know really don't you know about putting your fingers in your ears and going la 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 okay so this is written by Matt as if it's by Miriam and she's this is Miriam okay so, 
baby brothers sleep. Ah, I forgot that. <laughs> you have to remind me, I'm always forgetting. And trust me, you don't want to wake him. He's really... mum. Okay. She's hiding him in the reeds, Chauncey, sorry, at the edge of the river, in the bulrush basket she made for him. Did you want to have a look? <laughs> no, not really. You're just very interested in what's going on. Yeah. Well, sorry, I'm going to have to go back because I forgot what I just said. So he's, she's hidden him in the reeds among the bulrushes. What? What did you say? We did you say we want to see him? Thank you. It's good someone's awake. Well, all right then. Just a quick look. There he is. Baby. Oh no. Yeah, he's very cute, isn't he? <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. He's beautiful, isn't he? I sing to him sometimes. This song my mum taught me. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. I didn't know my singing was that bad. A strange song to slaves to sing, I know. But wait, did you hear that? Someone's coming. Better hide. Look, <gasps> it's some Egyptian ladies. Hide behind the bulrushes. 
some, oh, so I've just done that bit. Look, it's some Egyptian ladies that's done that as well. They've come down to the river to bathe and, oh no, they're pointing. They're coming this way. Oh dear, what's oh, going to happen? They've found the basket. Oh, they're picking up my baby. Ah, brother. I can't look. I'm supposed to watch over him. I'll be right back. So Miriam runs off and speaks to the ladies. Yep. Wow. And then she comes back. You are never going to believe this. The woman who found my br baby bro brother is one of Pharaoh's daughters. Hello. Do you want to have a look? She doesn't want to hurt him. She wants to keep him. And she wants me to find a Hebrew woman to help raise him. So I'm off to fetch my mum. So could you get me some water, please? Oh, I'm all right, thank you. <laughs> oh, and thank you very much. Oh, and Pharaoh's daughter has this funny name for him. It's Egyptian for I pulled you out of the water. That's a funny name, isn't it? And the name is Moses I'm sure you can see. I think that's what she said. Well, here I am again, years later. I'm an old lady now, as you can see, but I'm no longer a slave. None of us are. It was all down to my baby, ah, brother Moses. Ray! Well, him and God, it's sort of a long story. But there was, all right, I'm going to have to work out which is which because I wasn't quite sure in the picture when I looked at it. A burning bush. Can you see that? Yeah. A burning bush, a bush on fire. This, this, is, a oh very, yeah, oh yeah. this is a very quick, quick going through the I story. What else can you see? Can anyone Blood. see any of the plagues? <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? Blood. Blood. Oh, yeah, a river of blood. Anyone else? Anything? Stones falling down. What are you? Hailstones, that's right, good. Anyone? Uh, Didn't you? Not bunch of slaves. Yeah, well, it is a bunch of slaves, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I think that's locusts. Flies. Yeah. Was there a plague of flies? Oh, there weren't, right, okay. Thank you. Knits. Um, yeah, it does look like knits, doesn't it? Oh my god. I'm not sure there were. Sorry? Oh, right, yeah. They don't, they don't, they just say a bunch of plays, yeah, okay. And a sea that split into two and a defeated Egyptian army. And now we're free. Yay! Yeah, I know I didn't say Moses, but, you know, it's a good thing, isn't it, that we're free? Yeah. You're free, so... So we celebrate, yeah.
free to go to a new place God has promised us. So I guess my little lullaby wasn't so silly after all. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Thank you, kids. That was amazing, too. Thank you for all your help. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Fiona. Thank you for the children. Thank you for Linda for putting the words together at a very short notice. And now I'm going to ask Sue to come up and give us our scripture readings, please. Good morning, church. <laughs> um, I'd just like to say something about the angel that's outside. Because um, over the last, I don't know, six weeks, there's been several opportunities for the Tuesday prayer group to pray, and I've been blessed to be part of that. And we've literally just been quiet and walked around the church and prayed. And one of my prayers was that God would put a guard on the door. And um, I'm sure other people prayed lots of prayers similar. So I just wanted to say thank you for sharing. And remember to say hello and goodbye to the angel when you come in and go out. So today's reading, the first one is from Numbers, chapter 13, verses 26 to 33. Numbers 13, report on the exploration. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people, they are stronger than we are, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Our second reading is from Mark 16, verses 15 to 20. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place the hands on sick people and they will get well. 
After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. Our third reading is from Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 16. By faith. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He, wouldn't, he could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. I'm now going to talk for a, a couple of minutes, well, but more than a couple, but not that long, about our topic of defeating giants. Now, with the children, we had the early story of Moses. Thank you. No one sleeps during these services. And we heard how, as a baby, he was rescued from the bulrushes, and uh, he, he came to be a great man. How he faced up to Pharaoh, how he led the Egyptians out into the out of Egypt, uh, having plundered all their riches from them. As we know, the Egyptian army followed them. There was a, an encounter at the Red Sea. The Israelites went across. There were two miracles. One of which was the water opened. And secondly, they crossed on dry ground. And then Pharaoh and his army tried to follow, and they were washed away, as the, uh, the song said, the Pharaoh and his rider were swept away in the sea. And in our first scripture reading, oh, thank you, Sue, for scripture reading. Excellent. I was really moved over there. Promise when scripture is so good, you think, I'm going home. I can't add to that. But we'll have a go. But thank you. That was excellent, Sue. So when we pick up the story, they've got to the verge of the promised land and Moses decides to send some spies over to wreck out and see what's going on. And they come back and they say, we've got some good news and we've got some bad news. The good news is the land is everything God said it would be. It's flowing with milk and hurry, the fruits the size of footballs. It's a fantastic place. But the inhabitants of the land are, are really, really fierce. They've got these really big reinforced walls, they're like big castles. And the guys themselves, they're absolutely huge. We, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. And as you may remember, the most of the spies like Corporal Fraser say, we're doomed, we're doomed. But Caleb and Joshua say, no, with God's help, these guys are going down. And as you may remember, unfortunately, as ever, the majority prevailed. And because of that, the, the Israelites spent 40 years wandering around in the desert until that generation who lacked faith and disbelief passed away. And then Joshua, Caleb was still there, led them in. And as you know, what happened next? Some commentators will say to you, yeah, well, you know, all this stuff about, you know, grasshoppers and everything, you know, it, it's just a figure of speech. And certainly there is some exaggeration there. But if you look, and not particularly careful in the Bible, there are giants in the Bible. Genesis 6 talks about there being giants in the land before and after the flood. And as we say, we had the account there, there are giants in the land, we're doomed. And as Kirsty said, we meet later on Goliath. We meet later on Goliath's brother, Lammy. We meet even later on a guy called King Og, who I'll talk to about in a few moments' time. There are also various races of giants who were there as well. So... There were giants in the land. It wasn't an exaggeration. But here's a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this. Do we know how tall Goliath was? Any takers? I'll ask Anno first. Do you know, Anno, how, how tall Goliath was? I don't know, maybe like seven foot. Seven foot. Okay, then seven foot. Any, any other ideas? I'm not expecting you to know this. You need to know your cubits. Yes, Mark? Was he nine foot? Get, get out, get out. <laughs> okay, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, they, they've, you've got the, you've got, you've got the word, have you, in the Bible, yeah. 
Now, there is some conjecture here because we are given some measurements of Goliath based on a cubit. I think a cubit was like the length of a man's forearm. And there is some dispute as to how long it actually was. But the consensus seems to be that Goliath was at least nine foot six. So he's at least nine foot six. Okay. King Og, who we meet later on, they actually give the dimensions for his bed. So unless he used a lot of teddy bears and pillows, King Og was about 13 feet tall. And don't forget, these were warriors. You know, they weren't sort of bean poles. They were, they were being quite chunky. And some said Goliath was nine foot tall, nine foot wide. I don't know if that's right or not. But, you know, these, these, were, these were chunky people. I'm now going to frighten the people. Selwyn, could I ask you and Mark to come out, please? You can see by the look, the look of cheer on their faces. They're, this wasn't arranged. And had they known, they would have gone to another church this Sunday. Right, here we go. Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to do anything too embarrassing. Now, I've picked on you, Selwyn, because I think by the look of my eye, you're about the tallest person here, other than perhaps of Nathan, but Nathan's on the sound desk, so I don't really want to drag him away. Do you know how tall you are? I'm 5'11". You're 5'11", so you're virtually six foot. Okay, then, so if Goliath was nine foot, then he was one and a half Selwyn's, roughly. He was one and a half Selwyn's. And King Og was two Selwyn's in a bit. So, I mean, that, that's quite a difference, isn't it? And you also got to remember, if I can see where I put my props. We also know that Goliath had a really large sword. Unfortunately, it doesn't, uh, here we are, I have your sword. It doesn't tell us how big it was, it just tells us how much it weighed. So we just argue that as he was t twice the size of a man, roughly, or half, yeah, his sword was about one and a half times. Now, Mark, I want you to, to be our, our current Israelite. Now, um, I understand from, from, some, from research that um, the average Hebrew at that time was about five foot seven, which is about my height, I think. But so, King Og was so, can you sort of squat yourself down so you're about two-thirds the size? Oh, okay, well, there we go then. Can you squat down so you're roughly two-thirds of the size of Selwyn? Yeah, you get on your knees if you want to. Selwyn's enjoyed this. I'm not sure that Mark is. Okay, then. And obviously, we'll give you your, 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 normal, your normal size sword. Fine. And so, can I ask you guys just to act out what a battle might have looked like between a, a giant and a, and a... Good, excellent. Right, stop. Thank you very much. Now, we've got to remember, of course, that King Og was two Selwyn's and a bit high. So, um, you're going to have to get down a bit further to beat for this. Okay. Okay, let's see. Here's King Og versus the Israelites. Off we go. Let's fight. Here we go. And time. Thank you. Thank you very much, Sir Wynn and Mark. I think we have a round of applause here. Good. There we go. So, that gives you a rough idea. So, you can see. You can fight a giant, but you're at a disadvantage. Thank you for Selwyn and Mark for being such good sports. I said I hadn't uh, primed them on this. So there they are. There, there, there were giants in the land. Hello. Goodbye. There were giants in the land. They weren't like in the picture books, you know, where, giant, where, where Goliath's the size of a house and David's the size of a door. But, you know, they, there was a considerable difference between them. And these were trained warriors. You know, it wasn't because uh, often you find people are very tall today. Some of these are abnormally tall. Their bones could be a bit weak as well. But these were chunky guys. You didn't mess with these guys. And so you can understand to a certain extent why 
the spy said, oh no, this giant, they're going to make mincemeat out of us. And some people say they were cannibals, so perhaps they would have done. Uh, so you can understand why they were, they were frightened. But as Caleb and Joshua said, look, hey guys, you know, God in us is always a majority. When the Holy Spirit's in us, we're taller than anybody. And they went in, as we know, they, they, they actually went and conquered the land. Now, I was talking to someone before the service, I think it was Kirsty, I was saying that there's something very interesting about uh, giants in the Bible, is that, in theory, we could say, you know, dear Lord Jesus, please get these giants out of the way. They walked to the promised land, all the giants are gone. But they're not. You'll find in every case, they actually had to face the giants. David had to face Goliath, they had to face Lammy, they had to face the Amalekites and all these others. They had to push them out. So what's interesting is that God doesn't necessarily get rid of the giants in our life by just rubbing them out. He actually expects us to go and face them, trusting that God will provide all that we need from his riches in glory in Christ Jesus to give us victory. You might say, well, Dave, this is all very interesting, you know. It was great fun seeing Selwyn and Mark uh, waving swords at each other. It was great hearing all these statistics of giants. But there, you know, there aren't giants in the land now. No, they, they, they seem to push them out, unless there's some giants in some far-off, distant places we don't know about. A very interesting story came out of Iraq during the American invasion, the giant, the giant of Kandalar. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I did have, see an interview with an, a helicopter pilot who, who claimed to have taken the body away. But anyway, so there are a few giants around, but there aren't many physical giants around at the moment. But... As with that, the Bible gives us some principles in that sometimes we face giants in our lives that are not 6, 8, 12, 15 foot people waving swords and shields. They're actually fears or worries, infirmities, problems on the horizon, people, places and situations. And just like the Israelites, and just like all those heroes of faith who Sue read to us in our in our epistle reading, you know, Abraham and Noah and all the others, they had some big things in their life. What about Moses? I mean, <laughs> thank you. I mean, he was born with a death sentence. All the Hebrew boys have to be killed. That's a pretty big giant, isn't it? But then they got him out of that. And then he was chucked out of Egypt. Well, he ran away from Egypt because he killed an Egyptian. And he's living in the desert as a as a shepherd, uh, and yet this is, there's an anointing on him. This, this is a big giant. God brings him back and says, oh, well, yeah, I just wanted to go back and, and lead, you know, lead him out, lead him out, and you just have to deal with Pharaoh. <laughs> there's a giant. I mean, Pharaoh, I presume, was of normal stature, but he probably regarded himself as God because most Egyptian pharaohs did, and he had power. He also had supernatural power because you'll notice in the early in the early um, miracles, they're matched by the sorcerers of Egypt. The early miracles are, we may remember that Moses throws his sword down, it turns into a snake, and the, the sorcerers say, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, throw theirs down, but then God's snake swallows up all of the others, and that is the turning point, because God always has the bigger snake. So he leads them out of Egypt. They go through all the problems in the desert. He has descent in the ranks. What a giant. They have to go into a land that's um, full of bristling big guys. What a giant. And in fact, 
He has the disappointment of because of the disobedience of others, he misses out on all of that. Do you remember that Moses dies before they go into the promised land? But, like the heroes in Hebrew, God gave him a view of the promise that was to come. And I think, you know, I think we need to say, you know, what are the giants in our lives? And are we trust that God's going to bring him down with five stones, with a sword, or with faith? Let's pray. As we sit here in silence, just ask the Holy Spirit to identify to you any giants in your life. If you can't think of it, just think, what am I not looking forward to this week? Am I not looking forward to going back to work or to school? college or uni I'm not looking forward to seeing this person or that person or that thing happening or worrying it's not going to happen let's pray dear Lord Jesus we admit that there are giants in our lives but we also declare that God is bigger we declare Lord that with God's help we can face our giants we can bring them down and we can chop their heads on, and we can display it for everybody to see. We pray that we may be like those heroes of faith in Hebrews, like Abraham and Moses and Noah and others, who in faith believed God, and God rewarded their faith with victory. And Lord, although the road was tough with many a winding turn, as the Beatles would say, you saw them through to that new country. In some cases, they saw that new country with their own eyes. Some they saw it with spiritual eyes. We just declare, Lord, that um, whether we go to glory, whether we're here when you come back, that we may see the giants come down and we may inherit all the good promises you have for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.